Psalm 63. Maybe if you can find it in your Bibles as you get your uh, little pieces of paper. If you're using the Bibles in front of you on the chairs in front, I think it's page 579. Psalm 63. Why Psalm 63? I don't know. Uh, I don't know very many Psalms well. Um, But the Lord had taken me through a hymn to Psalm 62, and as I read on into Psalm 63, I think in all honesty, I have never been so blessed by a Psalm as the time that I've spent within the last couple of weeks just together with the Lord in his word in Psalm 63. I pray and have prayed that you too will be blessed as we come to this psalm. You will notice at the top of Psalm 63, it says it's a psalm of David. It also says when he was in the desert of Judah, desert or wilderness of Judah. In case you're wondering what a desert looks like in Judah, uh, it's, not, it's not really like the Sahara Desert at all. I found this picture, and it just gives a tiny idea. Um, there's not much to see in it, is there? Mountains, uh, emptiness, and um, as we've enjoyed the, day, the hot day earlier this week, <clears throat> and England has enjoyed even hotter days for two days, three days. Um, those are temperatures that would be there in the summer, there in that desert wilderness of Judah for a week, a month, two months, more. just goes on and on and on. An emptiness, um, a dryness, not an easy place to be. Wildernesses are not easy places to be, and I think each of us can think of times, maybe right now, maybe as you think back, and maybe (laughs) to come in the future, times of wilderness, Times of difficulty, struggle, when things aren't going the way we want them to go, when things aren't so wonderful, and we find ourselves in, the, in this desert wilderness place. That's where David found himself. Now, David knew the wilderness of Judah well. He had spent many years um, with his band of men, his band of distressed uh, men uh, in the wilderness of Judah, just hiding, uh, keeping away from King Saul and his army, not just for a few weeks or months, but for years. As a young man, David lived in the desert of Judah, just trying to stay alive. As an older man, uh, that as a young man, he was the anointed king, but not yet serving as king. Then as an older man, as king, but this time usurped as king by his own son Absalom. David again finds himself in the desert, the wilderness of Judah. Again with his group of people, family and others, there he finds himself in this empty, bereft place, bereft of anything that he had been used to, especially if you're used to being brought up or live, and living in a palace. What a change 
the desert and the wilderness of Judah is. How do you deal with that when it just goes on and on? How do you look to God in a situation like that? A couple of weeks ago, we had Psalm 77, and Asaph there in his psalm, he says, I seek God in distress. In my time of trouble, I seek God. And I think we can identify with that, can't we? So often it's when things aren't easy, when things are difficult, when we're in the wilderness or desert, that we, that's when we seek God. That's not what we find in Psalm 63. David, I don't know where he was. I don't even know whether it was as a young man or as an older man uh, that he was there in the desert. I don't think it matters. He was in this place, possibly in a cave, large caves. They could hold a lot of people, the caves in the desert of Judah. And there in the back of that cave, the David would spend time with God, writing his psalms, singing them. I'm sure he had his little harp with him, singing them, teaching them to others. And maybe if you had passed by that cave at that time, you would have heard some singing coming out of it. Andy's got something for us. Just listen carefully and keep Psalm 63 in your mind.
wonder if you notice in the first couple of verses of your psalm, Psalm 63, David's words. O God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. Five times in those first two verses, he talks about you, God. You're the one that I want. I find it so interesting. He's not here trying to tell God, I want you to sort out my problem. I want you to get me out of this wilderness. I want you to just to sort this all out. This is not fair. I want you to bring your justice. I want, I want, I want. He says, I want you. I want you. I seek for you. I thirst for you. I long for you. I have seen you. David's relationship with God was such that even in the wilderness, even in that thirsty situation, that hungry situation, that unfair, unjust situation, he says, I want you, God. Notice also he says, you're my God. You're mine. So often God is God is the God of the universe. God is the God of all people. God is a God, and sometimes when we read about David or maybe other very, what we consider very spiritual people, their God. David says, you're my God. That personal aspect was so important to him. Is that the way we see God? He's my God. Whether he's everyone else's God or not is not the important thing. And here with David wanting the presence of God, seeking the presence of God, longing for the presence of God. He says, you're my God. I seek for you, thirst for you, long for you. I I remember Thomas. Remember after Jesus had risen from the dead and Thomas saw him for the first time. Thomas's words. My Lord and my God. Thomas had been with Jesus for three and a half years. He had never called him my Lord before. He was the Lord. But there he saw my Lord and my God. How important it is that we recognize God as my God. I'm seeking for him. I think of the promises that God has made. You know, God wants our presence more than we want his. Promise he gave in Jeremiah 29. Uh, We all know verse 11 probably there where God says, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you. We love that verse and we claim it so often. Just a couple of verses later, God gives this incredible promise. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You will find me. I am there if you seek me with all your heart. That was David's situation there as he sought the presence of God with everything. I thirst for you. I long for you. I seek you. I wonder how much that is our situation in our relationship with God. How important is it just to know his presence, to be 
in that closeness with him, especially when things are difficult, wilderness situations, but not just in those difficult times. God has given that promise. You'll find me. I'm there. When you seek me with all your heart. What was it about this relationship that David had with God? So much so that God himself said, I find in David a man after my own heart. We know David was far from an innocent man. He had done many terrible things, and yet God still said this of him. He's a man after my own heart. What was it that made him a man after God's heart? I think we sense that in this psalm because he was looking for God's heart. He was searching for God's heart. He wanted that closeness. What did he understand about God? I love what he tells us in this short psalm. And it is just a short psalm. But as he goes through it, we, we find so much about the God that David knew. And he's my God too. And he's your God too. In the sanctuary, he said, I saw your power and your glory. In the sanctuary. That wasn't the temple. There was no temple then. I don't think it was anywhere special. I think at that time, the sanctuary for David was that cave or wherever he was. It was just that place where he was alone with God. That's the sanctuary. It's not this building. It's not this room. It's my presence with the Lord, just alone with him. Isn't that what Jesus tried to teach us? When you pray, go into your closet alone. Talk to your Father. Oh, life is so busy. There's so much going on. Uh, We struggle to find a time for that. How can we know his nearness when we don't go into the sanctuary, wherever that may be? Because in there we will see God, with God. We will see him as he is, a God of power. Paul writing to the church in Ephesus He's praying for us. God is praying for us. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably great power. That's why he's called the Almighty One, the one who is all-powerful, that we might know that about God. His incomparably great power for us who believe like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. A God of power. David says, I saw that in the sanctuary. Power and glory. Oh, the search for for the glory of God. Moses wanted to see the glory of God. Maybe we'll never see the full glory of God until we're with him in glory itself. But David could see some of that glory in him. The glory that we see in Christ. The writer to the Hebrews says, The sun is a radiance of God's glory. That's the S-O-N. That's God the sun is a radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being. It's a God of glory. God of love. Because your love is better than life. 
David's life was in danger at this, whether it was from King Saul and his army or whether it's from Absalom and his army. David's life was in, in danger. That wasn't a concern for him because he knew the love of God. Your love is greater than life itself. It's more than life. Life has so much in it and there's so much that we we want to do in our lives. There's so much that takes up our lives. And David was finding God is the God of love and that's greater than life itself. All those things that concern us, the love of God is greater than that. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That we would know the love of God. God's power, God's glory, God's love. Can you see why David was searching for God? Why he wanted that presence of God? Down in verse 7. Because you are my help. He is the helper. That's not what David was asking him at this time. David wasn't saying, you're my help, so get me out of this. He just says, I recognize, I see in you. You're the one who is my help. Again, the writer to the Hebrews takes from one, another Psalm, Psalm 118. He says, the Lord, we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. David had no need for fear because he had a helper who was there with him. On in verse 7, he says, I sing in the shadow of your wings, under the wings of God. He gives that idea of protection. You're the God who protects me. I don't need to to consider all that's going on outside this cave. Those that are around the other side of the mountain maybe with their armies trying to find me, to put me to death. You're my protection. Sometimes we look for all sorts of things for protection. Other people, ourselves, our, our intelligence, whatever it is, insurances, whatever. I need protected. David knew God is my protection. I come under his wings. Remember Ruth, that Moabitess? who said to her mother-in-law, your God will be my God. And Boaz was able to say to Ruth, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord God under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Ruth the Moabitess had come in from the cold, as it were, under the wings of God, under the protection of God. Verse 8, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. You're holding me. The right hand of God, wherever in Scripture speaks of the, the strength of God. When he holds, he holds tight. Isaiah 41.10, you will know it well. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The strength of God. He holds me. 
Jesus talked of that too. So he talked of himself being the good shepherd and how that we will never perish. As his sheep, we will never perish. We're in his hands and we're in the Father's hands too. I found it interesting, David, in his, in his psalm here, he says, my soul clings to you and your right hand upholds me. We can understand why David would cling to God. But somehow clinging to God doesn't bring that sense of safety. It's the right hand holding that brings that sense of strength and safety. We can picture, can't we, a a child clinging to the mother. But that's not enough. In fact, it's not much use at all unless a mother is upholding that child. Your strength. And then as we come to verses 9 and 10, he talks about the danger that he's in or the people that are out to get him. I find it interesting. He's not saying to God, you know, these people, I need to deal with them. I need to go out. You know, David, when he was being chased by King Saul and when he was being chased by his son Absalom, he never fought back against them. He didn't go out to get his own back. He didn't even go out to protect himself in battle with them. All he was looking was to keep out of their way. Why is that? Why could he be in that cave and just not fight back. This wasn't fair what, what King Saul or Absalom were, were doing. Because he knew the justice of God. I leave it with God. He says that in verse 9 10. They who seek my life, they will be destroyed. I don't need to destroy them. They will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. King Saul died in battle. By the sword. Absalom died in battle with javelins within him. David didn't do it. David didn't need to. He had a God who was just. Aren't we reminded of that? Romans 12. God says, don't revenge. Leave it to me. It's mine to avenge. I'll deal with it. Oh, how often we feel that we have to deal with it. I have to sort. This is not fair. I have to do something. David, knowing the presence of God and knowing the God that he loved and the God that was close to him, knew, I can leave that with God. When you know that my God, when I know my God is a God of power, glory, love, help, protection, strength, justice, else do I need? What do I need in my life when I have this God? This is my God. Why would I not seek Him? Why would I not long for Him? Why would I not want to be in His presence? What a God my God is. And certainly for David, as he saw God and as he thought on God and as he enjoyed the presence of God in the sanctuary, it brought out of him praise. Verse 3, I will glorify you. Verse 4 and verse 5, I will praise you. Verse 4, I will acknowledge your name. 
He had no problem talking about God to people. He had no problem mentioning God's name. We struggle at times, don't we? To even mention the name of God. To mention the name of our Lord Jesus, the one who died to save us. David had no problem. It was his God. He was willing to acknowledge him as his God. Verse 5 says, my soul will be satisfied. Fully satisfied. The words he uses there when he talks about the richest of foods. Uh, I'll be fully satisfied in you. The psalm before, Psalm 62, David wrote that as well. I don't know if he, when he wrote that. But that's, uh, in that psalm, David brings out, my soul finds rest in God alone. I noticed in the hymns that we were singing this morning, many of them talked about our trust in him alone. You see, I don't think we have a problem in trusting God. Oh, I trust God, but trust other things as well. There's so much else that we add in. It's easy to sing about trusting in God alone. It's easy to sing about finding rest in God alone. But on Monday and Tuesday, well, God has to take a second place because there's other things I need to trust in. There's other things I need to do. There's things that I need to do to protect myself. David was satisfied in God. God is enough. If I have nothing else, he's enough. Paul came to that situation too. He says, I've learned whatever state I am, whether I have too much or even if I don't have enough, I'm content. It's enough. My God is enough. I will, my soul will be satisfied. I will sing to you, he said twice to use that, verse 5 and verse 7. I'll sing to you. I will remember you and meditate on you. Even in the middle of the night, waking up in the middle of the night, it's you that my thoughts are on. I will cling to you. You're the one I depend on. And at the end, he says, but the king. Whether he's talking here about the king, the anointed king, but not yet serving as king. Or whether he's talking about himself as the king who has been uh, uprooted by his own son, whatever. He says, me as king, I will rejoice in God. That word rejoice is not just singing. That's joy. I find my joy in him. Is it any wonder that David loved the presence of God? Is it any wonder he sought that presence, whatever the situation? A God who was like this, that brought these emotions from out of his heart glorify you, I'll praise you, I'll acknowledge your name, I'm satisfied in you, I will sing to you, I will remember you, I will meditate on you, I will cling to you, I will rejoice in you. You're my God. 
and you're all I need. <clears throat> I, I noticed as well that he used that. It seemed to be all the parts of his body in all of this. Did you notice that? With my lips, with my mouth, with my hands, with my soul, with my mind, with my whole being, who I am. Brings it out of me because you are my God. Reminded me of a hymn we haven't sung it, I don't think, for a long time. Hymn uh, written by Francis Havergal. Take my life, let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And she goes on in the verses take my moments, take my days, take my hands, take my feet. Take my voice, take my lips, take my money, take my intellect, take my will, my heart, my love, take myself. You are my God. Early, earnestly. Seek you. Let's hear again as David's psalm is sung.
On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. They who seek my life will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God's name will praise him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Where is your sanctuary? Where is your relationship with your God? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you from our hearts for who you are. Thank you for the God you are. Thank you for the Father you are. But Father, most of all, we thank you that you're my God, my Father. Oh, Father, we want to see you. We want to know you, not only this morning here, but tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, in the home, in the work, in the leisure, wherever, that we might know you. We seek you. We long for you. I pray that, Father, for us, each one of us this morning, in the name of our Lord Jesus, who gave himself for us. Amen.